This is Dad to the Future, my show about fatherhood, marriage, and time travel. I'm Dennis Freimeyer. Hello, everyone. This is Dennis Freimeyer, and this is Dad to the Future. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in for another episode This episode is a little bit different from the last couple of ones that we have done so far. In this one, I have a conversation with my friend, Sam Fain. Sam is a new dad. As of the time of this recording, he was just five days into fatherhood. So he was a little bit sleep-deprived and a little bit uh, loopy, so I, uh, I particularly, I wanted to get him uh, on tape to have this conversation, have like a, a little time capsule of his early days of fatherhood. I've known Sam for a few years. We met working uh, on a show together a few years ago in Chicago. We're both in the theater community, and we stayed in touch over the years, and a little under a year ago, uh, as of the time of this episode uh, being put out, we have worked together as co-hosts on Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast. Uh, one of the things that we bonded uh, over early on in knowing each other is our love for the show. So uh, last July of 2017, I, I floated the idea out to him of doing a podcast, just talking about Quantum Leap. And, and he was game for it, so we've been doing that. Uh, for about a year. Would love for you to check that out sometime if you are a fan of that show. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Sam, who again at the time of this recording was just five days into fatherhood. And I do want to apologize in advance. There is a little bit of a sound quality issue on Sam's end. The central air was running in his home and uh, we're all kind of doing this on the cheap. And when you got a new mom and a new baby in the house, it's all about keeping everyone comfortable. Uh, that being said, it's a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, new dad. Hey, how's it going? Hey, <laughs> it's going all right. So I'll ask you the question everybody asked me when I first became a dad a year and a half ago. How you sleeping? Different. <laughs> um... Yeah, I feel like for the like the first two days, I didn't really sleep at all. Um, and my daughter was born at 6.14 p.m. And so that night, uh, yeah, I definitely didn't sleep. It, to the point where it, you know, it was like midnight, and I didn't even realize it was midnight. Um, and then it was 3, and I didn't even really realize it was 3. And, and when, I, when I woke up, because I mean, I kind of laid down, but I didn't really sleep. Um, so when I decided to finally roll off of the most uncomfortable sleeping instrument known to man in the yes. part of ward, yes. uh, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure you're familiar with like the same room, right? Well, not yes. Right, so yes, room, we right? had, uh, yes, uh, we gave birth in the same hospital. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know exactly those green chairs. Were, yeah. You, you do what you can. So get this, and I should have I should have just asked you about it. I didn't know that the chair pulled out even further, so I thought that it was basically just like 
an upright chair that had an, like an ottoman that pulled out of it. I didn't realize that you pulled again and it went all the way down into like a bed. Sure. So that first Well, night, eventually Oh, see, I figured it out, but we had we were at the hospital for several hours before our son was born. Sure. So I had time to figure that out. Yeah. Whereas it sounds like as soon as you all got to the hospital, like it was go time. Yeah. So to, to, to finish answering the sleep question, it, you know, it's gotten into a, a good pattern now. I feel like, uh, it, you know, my wife and I were able to sleep for probably about a three hour stretch, wake up another three hour stretch, which is, which is nice. You know, we're, we're, we're I think we're pretty lucky as far as that is concerned. Um, the difficult thing is, and I mentioned this to you earlier uh, in the week, is that I haven't quite gotten the when the baby sleeps, I sleep thing down yet. Um, because uh-huh. when she goes to sleep, it's sort of like, you know, the, the, the wonder is taken away. So now I want to get down to business. So I start focusing on like, you know, catching up on whatever the news is or, you know, reading my Twitter feed or, you know, whatever the case may be, maybe trying to read a book, which let me tell you, <laughs> that's not, that's not happening right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think we haven't quite done that yet, um, as well as we could maybe. But yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, sleep is coming at a bit of a premium. Um, it, it definitely hit me pretty hard yesterday, um, which would have been day five. Uh, so you see, six days old today. Um, but going, yeah, going back to to the delivery, like you said, uh, her, my wife's water broke at eight thirty in the morning. Uh, on a Saturday, which was nice because it meant we were home anyway. Uh, and then I ran a couple of errands because we had made the decision that we were just going to proceed business as normal. We didn't want to, you know, jump the gun, go to the hospital too early or anything like that. So um, I actually took our car in because there was an airbag recall on our car. And I was like, well, I got to get this fixed before the baby gets here. Sure. Yeah. So I took the car in. They were like, it'll be about two hours. I came home. We walked to, like, Walgreens to pick up a couple of things. We came back. This is how optimistic we were. We picked up, like, a pint of ice cream because we were like, tonight we'll have a pint of ice cream. (laughs) And as we're walking home, Jess is like, oh. And I was like, you okay? And she, like, stops walking. She's like, yeah, that one hurt. And I was like, all right, all right, well, let's get home. The car was ready. I got the text for the car. I was like, I'll go get the car. I'll come right back. We'll figure things out. So we get home. I go. I get the car. I come back. I walk in and she had decided to take a shower and I hear noises and I'm just like, okay, this is what the midwives had talked about. You know, it's like, I, I know that noise. And I'm like, I think we better go to the hospital. She's like, not yet. And I'm like, okay. And then about an hour later we went, which so it was about four thirty in the afternoon. We got to the hospital and then, yeah, the baby was born at six fourteen. So it's like not even an hour and 45 minutes after we got to the hospital. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, I just love like because uh, you told me a little bit, uh, a little bit of this when I stopped by the, the hospital as you were checking out. But she was technically in, in labor; her water had broken, and, and she went out of the house. It sounds like you went shopping yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, that is wow. Because I went mean, to like our experience was uh, Betsy's water broke at like five thirty in the evening. I was at work. I came home from work. And then we hung around the house until it was time to go to the hospital. It was like five, six o'clock. Yeah. The next morning, that yeah. it was, and, and for us, it wasn't even the fact that 
that she was going into labor. Her her labor was actually very slow. Like they ended up having to induce mm. uh, because her contractions were very weak. Um, but uh, so yeah, you you guys had a really fast experience. Yeah, and it's you know one of the things that I know that had a, a pretty big impact on Jessica is that the contractions for most of the day were almost so subtle that she didn't there were a couple of times when she would look at me and she'd be like no that wasn't one I was like no I think that was a contraction you know and 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 they changed so quickly they went from being like these things that she was just sort of like that's it to 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 being like okay this this hurts um so I feel like based on what you know like the the prenatal classes that we took and um the the midwives and that sort of thing everything that we had heard uh in the pregnancy group that we were a part of um is that a lot of times you you can they they, i mean they're gonna get to a point where they they hurt you know they hurt like hell obviously i mean i can't speak from experience but just based on you know what jessica was saying how she was and but but you can kind of almost you almost get the opportunity to sort of ease into them like it's a gradual sort of you know there's like a continuum of the pain whereas with Jessica it felt like it just leapt a few of those levels and went straight from being kind of like yeah this is nothing to being like oh my god this is the worst thing I've ever felt in my life um, and so I think that that had a huge impact on her ability you know in the delivery room um, to to push. And to, you know, to have any kind of focus whatsoever. Um, uh, but, you know, the amazing thing is, is she, you know, she, there, there were no drugs. Everything was natural. Um, she really kind of fought through it and got to a point where it was just sort of like, I, I don't know. It was like she just took over, Mother Nature took over, whatever you will, and, and, and things started to proceed. Now, unfortunately, um, the cord had ended up wrapping around uh, Hattie's neck. So she was in distress and they were having trouble, you know, getting Jessica to be able to push her out. And I, and, and the midwife looked at us and she was like, okay, look, I think we could do this in one or two more rounds of pushing, but I'm worried about the baby's heart rate. So I want to call an obstetrician and see what he says. And he came in and thank goodness for the midwives because they gave us so much information beforehand and grabbed the little suction cup thing, which I had seen before and felt before had had in my hand, had even like, you know, suctioned on my hand with it. So it's like, I knew what that tool was. Was. And I, I, I think I derive some comfort because if I had just seen him like walk in, take this thing out and like just, you know, snap it on my baby's head, I would have been like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. Um, but he was so good and, and literally just it was it, it ended up being like over in an instant. And uh, and then the baby was out and, and she was fine and skin to skin with mom. And like I said, I think Jessica was in a little shock just because, of the, you know, how everything had happened. Um but it was, yeah, it was an incredible, incredible moment, to, to, to say the least. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm talking too much, but, you know, whatever. No, 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 no. yeah. No, so we, uh, so I told you about uh, our experience when uh, the other day, but we used the midwives at the same hospital. Mm-hmm. But we were in a situation where none of the midwives that we had worked with throughout right. the pregnancy was actually there because they do this once a year retreat that they all go on and they find it very important to not leave anyone behind because that's how they build like team cohesiveness is to have everyone go. Yeah. So we had a substitute midwife. And when we were at that appointment, when we were told this, uh, Betsy was like, damn it. 
like that's going to be the week that I give birth. And sure enough, <laughs> uh, and sure enough, that was the week. And the midwife was, she was nice enough, but we hadn't established that relationship mm. with her. And there were just some things that happened during the labor that, that Betsy wasn't really crazy about. And uh, to, to sum up this midwife in a weird way is, uh, you know, we got the, like, the sheet of paper at the appointment saying, like, you know, this, these are like the two possible substitutes you may have if you give birth sure. during this week. And this woman's headshot, uh, if, she, if she were an actor or if, if she were appearing in a movie where she was a midwife, her picture looks like the midwife who is looking out for you but then you find out she's actually out to kill you. Oh my god! <laughs> that's 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 what her that's what her headshot looked like. Uh. Uh, and so we had issue. I, I don't know if I don't think the cord was wrapped around Harrison's neck because they didn't say that. But there was something going on. The labor was causing him distress as well. So his heart rate dropped anytime Betsy pushed. Yeah, and uh, which to it, to be fair is is supposed to happen. Sure. But there's a threshold where it gets to be, you know, like, we don't want it to go below this. Yeah. So it, I mean, it got scary there a few times. And luckily, by this point, Betsy was far enough out of it that she didn't realize how serious that it was. Yep. But it got to, it did get to a point where they did have to put an oxygen mask on her just so that Harrison could get more. Same with Jessica. Yeah. And, And there was a moment where, uh, I'm sure it was very similar to your room. Like our delivery room was kind of like L shaped. And there was, there was one moment where I had to step around the corner out of sight from Betsy to just freak out for five seconds. Yeah. So that she couldn't see it. Yeah. And then come back around and pretend everything was okay. Uh, and then they, they didn't have to do the, the suction cup or anything uh, to get him to come out. And, and so when he did come out, uh, either he wasn't breathing or he wasn't breathing enough like they were kind of scared so like mm. the midwife she was just very quick and very thorough like she's like she handed me the scissors she presented the cord she's like here cut here I cut there and they immediately whisked him away to the warming table and then they and they got him going and within a few seconds he was fine yeah. uh, but for about five seconds it was really scary for me Yeah, uh, but like I said l- luckily Betsy was so out of it, like she didn't fully realize how tense it was in that moment until until later on. Yeah, you know, it sounds like we had you know kind of similar experiences in a lot of ways, in spite of the the speed you know of, of our labor and delivery. And because I know that yeah, like I said, Jess was fairly out of it there for a minute. They had to give her the oxygen mask as well because the uh, baby's heart rate. And oxygen levels were dipping uh, too low. Um, the you know the, the biggest difference I think is once she was out, they were able to you know kind of warm her up with a blanket and put her directly onto Jessica like right away, like right away, which was fantastic. Sure. Uh, the nurse, <laughs> the nurse actually looked at me as she was doing all of this, and she's like, "I'm just trying to get your baby to cry," and I was like, "No, of course I got it." Um, and she's like, and she's like, where's your camera? And I was like, huh? And she's like, you're missing it. You should be taking all these pictures. And it was so funny because I like on one hand, I'm like, yes, of course, I should be taking pictures. On the other hand, it was just sort of like, I'm just I'm just taking it in. You know? No, yeah, like, I'm just taking it in. Um, yeah. 
But I'm thankful, honestly, that I got some of those pictures because I genuinely feel like I was I was able to be in the moment for that important part where she, you know, she's out into the world. She's, you know, they put her on Jessica's chest and then I was able to just kind of start taking some pictures real quick and be done with it as opposed to being one of those people. Not that there's anything wrong with this, but I think just for me personally, it wouldn't have worked having like the camera out the whole time. Do you know what I mean? Like I couldn't have done that. I wouldn't have wanted to do that. No, I, I, I don't know if you discussed this at all. Like Betsy and I, like we even discussed, it was like, like, no, no updates, no nothing. No, like even if we weren't posting it right away, she didn't want like any pictures taken. The first picture that we took after uh, was after they, you know, they, they got a, you know, breathing and crying warmed up and like, you know, they weighed him and like they held him up in, in front of the thing that like yeah. they can measure his height. And so like holding him up, like that was the first picture. And then we took like, you know, like the first picture of like him breastfeeding and things like that. But uh, yeah, like, like, you know, I, I am as addicted to my phone and taking pictures and capturing moments as well as anyone. If you're friends with me on, on Facebook and all the videos <laughs> and pictures of Harrison, you know that. Right. Uh, but like in that moment, I had absolutely no desire to be doing that because sure. yeah I mean yeah I mean just the very act of doing that it, it takes you out of the moment for a little bit yeah and yeah and I just wanted to be fully present there in that moment you know especially everything considered like heart rate and breathing and everything that was going on when he was when he first came out sure sure uh, and, and there were a couple of things that happened right away uh, I mean they let they let Jess have skin to skin for quite a while and they sort of did things around her and the baby as opposed to doing them to her and the baby if that makes sense and I got to cut the cord just just like you um then after you know after a time I don't know exactly how long it felt like it was a little while honestly it could have been upwards of half an hour um they did take Hattie over and they you know they weighed her they you know did the vaccines they put the you know erythromycin on her eyes you know all that sort of stuff um, and then gave her back to Jess. In the meantime, they were also giving Jess a couple of shots because it turned out that um, the baby was born Coombs positive, which I don't know if you if you know about this, but basically it's no. when the mother's blood mixes with the baby's blood in the cord. And, mm. you know, I don't know what the percentages are on this or anything, but from what I gather, most of the time that's not a big deal. But it is when they have different or incompatible blood types, which is kind of fascinating in a way when you think about it, but Jessica's O positive, the baby ended up being A negative, so the blood type, you know, didn't mix, and it caused a couple of issues just very early on. Um, Nothing, you know, that that would cause any kind of, like, long-term effects or developmental issues or anything like that, just more like, we need to watch this in case or stuff like that. Um, and uh, so, so they gave Jess a shot because the interesting about this is that the shot that they gave her would prevent that from ever having an effect should we have any other kids. So even if the same oh, thing happened okay. on baby like number two, if we were to have another baby, it wouldn't matter because they gave her this shot. It's fascinating. And I don't know enough about oh. it other than mm-hmm. to know that that's the case. And I was just like, oh, my God, there's so like there's so much going on and it's hard mm-hmm. to you know, to really kind of take in and appreciate some of those things in the moment. But then after the fact, it's like, wow, that, because I was reading about it and I was like, they did that, you know, it's like that happened. Yeah. Now, now I want to go back and talk to Betsy because I know that there was something during one of the midwife sessions where they did, there was some discussion about blood type. There was a little bit of worry 
some discussion. I, I think it had something to do with like being like positive or negative or something. I don't know. I want to go back and talk to her about that. But yeah, yeah all, all, yeah, all of that is just fascinating. Yeah. But you said uh, there were a couple of things, like they had to keep an extra eye on her for the yeah. first couple of days. So she, um, we knew she was going to be small. We had a late term ultrasound uh, just because Jessica had lost weight. And at that point, you know, in pregnancy, you're supposed to either be gaining or maintaining weight. So they were curious to see if she'd lost any fluid. They did the ultrasound. That was not the case at all. But they could tell that the baby was kind of on the small side. Um, but everything was fine. You know, developmentally speaking, like, you know, she had 10 fingers and toes. The heart looked great. The brain looked great. You know, everything was fine. It's just like she's just smaller. Um, so when she was born, in addition to Coombs positive, she was 5 pounds, 13 ounces, which doesn't sound, you know, too crazy. That said, she was also 10 days late. So in addition to being small, she had extra time, you know, to grow. So they, they were a little concerned there. They checked her blood sugar. Her blood sugar was a little low. Um, along with the Coombs positive thing, one of the effects of that is that it can have um, an impact on the baby's bilirubin, uh, which can lead to jaundice, which, you know, if, if left unchecked, can lead to, like, brain damage and that sort of thing. Um we were told that her level was like a two when she was born, so they wanted to keep an eye on it, and it rose to a seven the next day. This freaked me out because I didn't know what they were talking about, and the night nurse that we had that first night was not the friendliest. Her bedside manner wasn't that great, and so I mm. like we were, we were talking about this. I think yeah, we had an experience with another nurse. I wonder if it was the same nurse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just rub this the wrong way at three o'clock in the morning. Right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. I, I just became a dad. This is not the time. Um, yeah. But we later found out, because our midwife came to visit us, uh, and she was so awesome. And she came in and spent time with us, even though it was like 11 o'clock at night. And, and she was, at that point, I think she'd been on since like 8 o'clock in the morning. And it had been such a busy weekend. To give you an idea of how busy it was, um, three other people in our midwife group that, that we were a part of delivered that weekend. So two delivered on the same day as Jessica and one delivered the day after. So four out of this group of like nine women delivered in the span of 24 hours. Damn. So it was a pretty crazy weekend. Anyway, um, she came in. She let us know that the like they don't really start to worry until that number hits like 13 or 14. And when she said that, I was like, okay, it's fine. But one of the things that they ended up doing is putting her under a special light, which because I guess the sun in particular, like UV rays help to break down the bilirubin in the body and they pass it through like their bowel movements. Uh, so this light simulates that and they put her under there. And um, the biggest drawback to this is that we couldn't really handle her uh, except to feed her. So uh, that's when honestly, as silly as it might sound, changing her diaper, which is, that early stage doesn't happen quite as often as it does now um, was like my thing. Like I, they, I needed that touch with her in order to actually have a moment because otherwise I knew that I wasn't going to be able to, you know, other than giving her to Jessica to breastfeed, I wasn't going to be able to do those things. Sure. So I can't remember. We've talked about this before, before Hattie was born. Have you changed a diaper before? Yes, I had actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I had never changed a diaper at all. Okay. Uh, like I, I have a couple of nephews, 
I had a niece, but it was just like, uh, you know, I don't get home to visit very often. And, and when I was, like, I was never entrusted or ever asked or ever volunteered, <laughs> frankly, sure. to to change a diaper. So that was something that I had a little bit of anxiety over. But it, it's like, yeah, you, you learn very quickly. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I, the th- I think one of the things that was difficult for me... Um, so... The uh, um, Billy lights, that's what they call them. Because uh, of the quality of the light, she uh, had to wear like a, a blindfold, basically, um, so that they wouldn't affect her eyes. Uh, sure. A- 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 and this thing was Im- just so impossible to put on. And I struggled putting it on her. And part of that was because, as I'm sure you can understand, early on with Harrison, you probably felt the same way. You're afraid that they're so delicate that you can't like, like you can't be oh, too rough or apply too much pressure. Oh yeah, and 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 the nurse, one of the nurses came in and she was wonderful, and she was like, and she's in the way she said it. I feel like had her tone of voice been any different, it would have felt condescending and judgmental. But what she said, and 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 I won't do the way she said it justice, but just know it was so nurturing and kind. She said, well, you're a first-time dad, and you think you're going to break her because she's just so gentle. And she is, but you can do this. And it was like, it was so reaffirming in a way uh, that, that, that I knew that I could do this and I wasn't going to hurt her. Um, and uh, it still sucked. I hated, putting, I hated putting that thing on her. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And we said before, because... Like, uh, you know, giving birth at the same hospital, like simultaneously, whenever any of the, the nurses who were all women, uh, I'm, I'm sure it sounds like you had the same experience. Yeah. On, on one hand, I was, you know, treated like I didn't know what I was doing because I was the dad. I was the man. Sure. But on the other hand, I was also made to feel like I was dad of the year just for being present like you know other than like like maybe go down and get food or, or something like I didn't leave Betsy's side yeah the the entire two days after she gave birth and right. it kind of made me wonder if you know if, if sometimes you know how often do these nurses do they see situations where the dad can't be there the entire yeah. time or the dad isn't there the entire time like we took the the similar like prenatal classes that you took and I remember there was, you know, there was one session that we went to where uh, the the father wasn't there. And so we had all these couples and then you just had like one woman like sitting there trying to learn all this information by herself. Yeah. Uh, and, and unfortunately, during one of the breaks, uh, Betsy and I accidentally like overheard her telephone conversation. Uh, I, I assume it was with the dad, but basically saying like, it really sucks that you're not here. I wish that you were here. Uh it just makes me feel like, you know, really grateful that we are in a situation where, where I could be there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and this is, I say this with no judgment whatsoever, but four of the women that were in our centering group, um, you know, their partners or their husbands were never there. Now I will say that for three of them, I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah, three of them. It was like their second or their third child. So there was probably an element of kind of like, okay. And, and let me just explain very briefly. The way that we had our appointments with the midwives, 
it was called Centering. And the idea is that you're in there with uh, other couples that have a similar due date to you. So it's almost like a roundtable kind of thing, which was really, really beneficial. And it was long. It was two hours, um, whereas a regular appointment might only be like 10 or 15 minutes. But I feel like doing that exposed us to so many things that we would not necessarily have been able to cover in a a routine appointment because other people were asking questions, other people were bringing things up. Um, and, And you end up, I don't know, there were there were moments where I know for me personally, it wasn't even about the pregnancy or Jessica or the baby where we just got to kind of express ourselves and and it was very helpful. It was very, very helpful to me. And I, I loved doing it. And I don't know if we would do it again for a second child, but I mean for a first time parent, like I, I think yeah, it was it was invaluable in a lot of ways. Sure. We did because it sounds like you went to several classes that were two to three hours in length. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did, uh, I, I don't know, maybe you call it the accelerated course where we just went to totally. two, we just went to two all day okay. events. So we had kind of a different experience in that. So I, I think in that, like we didn't get a whole lot of time to, uh, to like really bond or get to know the other uh, parents in the group. It was just like, you know, very informational in there. may have a little bit of chit chat with, with other people, but yeah, uh, yeah, you, you're just like, you're trying to soak in all of this information. Yeah. And of course, like there was the one day where, you know, you go through all these, uh, the, these exercises of like different positions to get in to comfort your partner <laughs> while she's giving birth. Yes. And like Betsy and I did it and we went through the motions, but we're like, yeah, when it comes game time, like this is all going to go out the window. And sure enough, when it became game time, it was all. <laughs> there were two, you know, it's funny that you say that though. There were two that we ended up remembering. Um, and I think it was because they felt good to Jessica like just in general so she kind of figured like remember those because I just like the way they feel so maybe they'll help one was the hip squeeze where you basically put like kind of the palm of your hand like right above the Mm -hmm. hip bone and you squeeze in towards the center Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other one I mean you as a massage therapist are probably familiar with some of these things just in general but the other one is like um Right at the base of the spine, you kind of sure. put your palm and push like kind of in and up a little bit. I think. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say yeah. We did we did a lot of that during labor. Yeah, and even like actually like the last two or three weeks of her pregnancy, we would just get into bed at night, and I would either put a hand or I would just put a knee in her back, and she would just like push up against me for a couple of minutes before we ended up separating to go to sleep. Yeah, it's funny because um, I'm always curious just to you know people's bodies are just different um, because Jessica ended up carrying like a sort of a lot of her tension or, or um, needing the most relief kind of like under her shoulders or around her neck um, kind of that area and I was always surprised because I just I, I always expected that it would be like her lower back you know mm-hmm. it's like I mean, it's we're carrying all this extra weight and all this sort of stuff but she said her lower back really didn't bother her that much until maybe the last week of pregnancy or last few days before the baby came and I think that that was because she was kind of starting to have those very early contractions Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah it's it's incredible I mean it's one of those things that I say with with all humility and appreciation you know we will never experience or know that and uh, uh, yeah yeah we got to be uh, ringside. I don't know if that's the right term. <laughs> Next, I, watch, I mean, there's because uh, you know we had like several hours of labor on our on our end, and at one point, 
I looked at Betsy, and I've done two Chicago marathons. And I looked at her, and I said, I never get to brag about doing a marathon again, do I? And she's like, no. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, nice. And another experience that we had uh, with our labor is that, you know, since we did several hours, like, we got, like, uh, what what felt like at the time just, like, really close with not one but two nurses. Oh, Because sure. there, okay. there, was a, there was a shift change. Yeah. And, like... Especially the second nurse, because she was in it with us for longer. And, like, like, in that time, I'm just like, you are awesome. We're going to get you a great gift. We're going to get you a card. We're going to take you out to lunch afterwards. You know, know, you're amazing being here during this time. And then, of course, the birth happens and shift changes and everybody goes their separate ways. And, uh, you know... uh, Never, never saw or heard from those nurses again. But they were sure. in the moment; they were absolutely so amazing. Uh, I, I always like to use the metaphor of uh, the losers' club coming together to <laughs> defeat the monster yes. in it, and how quickly they forget about each other. Yeah. Afterwards, yeah. Uh, I use that metaphor for you know coming together, like putting together a show, and then right. how quickly you disband afterwards. And it was it was very much like that. It's like everybody's come together. We're putting on a show. The birth happens, and then you know we we go on and we're new parents and then you know life goes on for them like it's just another day for them and and they're going on to the next thing and and yeah well you almost feel like when you know using the show metaphor um you become a family and and, and, you know you're that close with those people for those six to eight weeks or more depending on, on the show or the run of the show um and with this you don't necessarily become a family but lives depend on the relationships they get formed in there. And so it does create a bond that is similar to and yet completely unique um, to the point, like I said, when we saw our, our midwife, um, she didn't actually deliver our well. The the thing about one of the things that the midwife said is like we don't deliver babies, you know. You you you're the one doing the pushing. You're the one doing the work. We're just there to catch. Um, okay, so, <laughs> That's awesome. so, yeah. so our, our our regular midwife wasn't actually on the day that we went in. However, the midwife that was was actually the woman that we had our first appointment with. Oddly enough, uh, just because the way things worked out, and when our midwife did come in to check on us, there was something almost familial about it and there was something almost um validating like the whole experience couldn't really be real until she was there to sort of look at the baby to talk to us to answer questions to you know to spend some time with us and it was really it was very important and very uh very cool you know and the past few days man has have been I try to, you know, I try to stay away from cliche in my day-to-day life because I, I don't want to be cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I never knew that I could feel this way. And I, um, I look at Jessica in a, in a very different light. Um, you know, she was, she was so strong. She was just a, a warrior in there and, and, and really got thrown a curveball because I don't think it was the labor she expected and I know some dads and partners struggle with connecting with the baby at first. Um, and I can genuinely say that was never even an issue. You know, it, it, as soon as I saw her, as soon as I held her, it's just like I. 
I, you, you, you can't really put it into words. And, sure. And, 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 and I mean, she, she has become my world. And I think that, you know, Jess is just everything. And, and, and I'm happy to say that I can spend, you know, the next eight or nine days at home mm-hmm. and just be here with them and not have to worry about anything else. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's uh, it's so yeah because you know because uh, you know I wrote up my my journal my blog afterwards it's because people always want to like you you hear parents say or you hear people say like you know you end up loving your child more than your your spouse or your partner and it's not loving them more or less it's a very different kind of love yeah. that overwhelms you because before your child is born at least in our situation, like, like, like you didn't have a context to put it in before, you know, like even if you're in a situation where, you know, you're, you know, where, where you helped raise a relative or a younger sibling as a parent because of family circumstances, like even so, like I don't, you don't have the same context. You, you don't have anything else to compare it to. Yeah. Other than be the, the, you know, the, the parent. Because what I what I've always felt like, and, and and I remember very early on in our relationship, you know, I, I told Jessica this is kind of how I felt. When it comes to a significant other, I, I, I think there are there are there are different kinds, sure. But for me, I think that the love that you have with that person is is grown, and it and it changes, and it's it's almost not almost. I believe it is. It's a choice. It's like I choose to love you and I grow with you and that love grows with you Um, and it evolves and it changes and it becomes more and more and more. With with Hattie, when my daughter was born, there was no choice, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I mean that in the most positive of ways. It's Mm -hmm. like I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you completely. I love you eternally. Like I, I am done. I am yours. There is no question about this. Mm-hmm. And again, I agree with you. It's not, it's not a case of loving the child more than the spouse. God forbid, you know, I'm not even a religious guy. And I just said, God forbid. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it is, it is a different thing. It's a very different thing. Um, and, you know, I told Jessica, I, I, it was either the day we got home from the hospital or the day after and, you know, hell, I feel like the only way to do this type of, of discussion that we're having right now for the podcast is to be completely naked. So um, not literally, I'm wearing clothes. Uh, but but I, I looked at Jessica and I just said, um, I love you more today than I did yesterday. And I didn't think that that was possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we both kind of broke down and, and, and just kind of shared, you know, a few a few sort of happy tears Um and then we looked at our daughter and we're just like, I don't see how it's going to get better than this. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You need, because the first few months, they, they are going to be so difficult with, with lack of sleep and, sure. and, and, and challenges and, and running to the emergency room in the middle of the night because you think that's what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, you got to take, you know, those, those moments like that and, and bank all of those, and that's that's what's going to get you through. Uh, yeah. And I can't remember because it's all a blur for me now. Uh, I, I definitely felt the same way about Betsy afterwards. I don't know if I if I came right out and, and expressed 
that feeling of just like, you know, like I, you know, I thought I couldn't love her more, but then after like seeing her go through what she did with the labor and she was like in hard, painful labor because they had to yeah. induce with Pitocin. And so the Pitocin contractions, who, yeah. Because they knock out the, the body's natural painkillers because yeah. whereas normally oxytocin, which is what the body's producing at that time that the Pitocin mm-hmm. imitates, like, you know, that it balances itself out and in this wonderful way where your body kind of naturally relieves some of that pain, but Pitocin doesn't come with any of that benefits. It just, it just causes the contractions to come, but it doesn't give you any of those natural pain relief. Painkillers. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, like watching her, you know, go through that. I think she threw up twice during Mm. the thing, you know, Mm. uh, you know, so it was the first time I'd ever seen, you know, my wife vomit, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's, a, I mean, it's all, I mean, and just like watching her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Awesome. And wonderful. And, you know, we are, we're, we're in a, a year and a half ahead of time from you guys, but it's like, sure. you know, there's sometimes we just look at Harrison and we're just like, you know, we did that. Yeah. That's awesome. It's wonderful. I mean, we had one of those moments like last night, just, uh, sitting out, on our back porch after we went to bed and we had the baby monitor out there, you know, back with us, you know, just, you know, sitting there drinking our, our wine and our whiskey for the night and just like, you know, looking at him on the monitor and just being like, you know, yeah. we did that, this thing. And, and also like, especially now, especially in the last two or three months, like he is starting to say like little words and he's saying phrases that even though they don't make sense to us, you can tell like in his head, he's making sense mm-hmm. like he he is providing complete thoughts um so just watching him slowly develop into a person it's just uh yeah yeah, yeah. it's just uh it's just amazing yeah it's a the, the the whole journey um feels like something uh yeah i told jess um when she was in labor because like what you're talking about how how it got to be hard i mean there were there were a couple of moments where it just seemed like it was the worst thing she'd ever been through and i you know i just looked at her and i was like look this might be the hardest thing you know i don't think i said might be i was like this will be the hardest thing you ever do but it just might be the most important thing you ever do Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know if that helped or not, but this is what I said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and now you're delirious at the moment. You can't be, uh, yeah, right. They, they, uh, they can't all be motivational nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> and now after the fact, it's like, you know, like you kind of say, like looking at her, there's this sort of this sense of like, wow, we did this and, um, and it's only the beginning. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so to shift gears a little bit, because I know up until she was born, uh, your, your shorthand for her just with, with, with friends and family was uh, Pamplemousse. Was that it? Pamplemousse, yeah. Pamplemousse. So, yeah. so how did you come? How did you come to to her name? <laughs> Um, so, so first of all, the, the, the pomplamousse obviously is a, is a nod to, uh, the French word for grapefruit, uh-huh. which is, uh, only because we drink LaCroix sure. and, uh, uh, and, and so I just was calling her that for whatever word I, I like the sound of the word. Um, I, I, I went, we went through a phase where we were like kind of trying to find names, um, that were a little different or that meant something to us. And at one point, we really liked Dylan Harper, like Bob Dylan, Harper Lee, like Dylan Harper was really something we oh, loved. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
And this past January, we uh, we were kind of keeping the name close to our vest, but we went out with her sister, my sister-in-law, and her boyfriend, and the three of us, because Jessica is amazing and didn't mind, had had a lot to drink. So we got back to the condo, and we were talking, and uh, they asked, and Jess was like, yeah, fine, we, yeah, why not? You know, Even though she was the sober one, she was like, you can tell them. So I was like, you know, the name that we really like right now is Dylan Harper. The next day, Jessica got a text message from her sister saying, Alex, that's her boyfriend, uh, says that you should Google Dylan Harper um, because you might want to know before you decide. I was like, what? So she Googles it. And it turns out that there is an adult film star (laughs) whose name (laughs) is like Dylan Harper, spelled differently, but still. Uh, So you're like, well, that one's out. uh, (laughs) And then a few months later, I, you know, I went through it. um, I went through a moment where I was like, let's look for like old Hollywood names and looking at some of the old Hollywood names. We thought Vivian was really nice, like Vivian Lee. And we thought maybe Vivian Harper would be great. And, you know, we, we just, it was like, ah, maybe we were on the fence. And then one day, um, I just, I just was like, Hattie, I just, I like Hattie. And I mentioned it to her. She's like, maybe. And then the next day she sent me a text message at work and she's like, what was that name you said last night? And I was like, Hattie. And I was like, Hattie May. And she was like, uh, M-A-E, right? And I was like, yeah, M-A-E, not M-A-Y. And uh, it just it just stuck. And there's really, you know, I wish that there was like some sort of grand story or some sort of, but there, there was no rhyme or reason. Um, you know, it just, it just kind of came. Okay. And uh, yeah, it felt right. Yeah. So I, I was wondering, like, because Hattie, it sounds like it wants to be short for something. Yes. I, I believe it, it, I believe it's uh, Henrietta. If okay. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, is but it's her. It's, but it sounds like her name is not Henrietta. Like officially, it's just Hattie. Yes, exactly. That is exactly correct. So um, it's like that episode of Quantum Leap where Sam leaps into Jake, not short for Jacob, just yeah, plain Jake. Just okay. plain Jake. Yeah. Um, yeah. So actually, I'm sorry. So Harriet. Uh, but although okay. Harriet was actually a form of Henriette. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it comes, it comes from that. Um, and, uh, the, I guess the meaning behind Henriette or Henry or, or, or Harriet, uh, is home, home power, you know, like, um, Hera, I think is where it comes from, like the, the, the Greek goddess. Sure. Um, and, uh, but yeah, to us, she's just, she's just Hattie and it's, and it's Hattie. There's no, yeah, it's not, it's not short for anything. That's awesome. Well, yeah. you did, uh, yeah, cause I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, for a long time, Harrison was going to be Henry. Mm. Uh, because, uh, Henry is the name of the, of the time traveler and the time traveler's wife. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I just, uh, I just have a very strong emotional connection with that, with that story. I mean, actually, what I recorded today was like another episode of this podcast, and maybe if not the first episode, like one of the first episodes, yeah. uh, just talking about like a, a, a pivotal scene in that book and that and how that informs, uh, you know, what I think about like when I, you know forming a relationship with with Harrison. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, for a long time it was going to be Henry to the point that we were calling him like Little H, like that was the the name that we referred with everyone. But yeah. then I started seeing uh, Henry is a name that is becoming very 
much more commonplace now. And I yeah. saw like how many other names, and the and the breaker was that when a coworker of mine at the massage clinic that I worked at at the time, after I realized that his son's name was Henry. And him and I look similar enough that sometimes our clients get us mixed up with each oh, other. Oh, man. That's why I was like, ah, uh, I, I don't know if we could do Henry. Yeah. Uh, but by that point, we've been calling him Little H for so long. We just decided to stick with another H name. And then Harrison came up somewhere. It, it's not Harrison Ford. Uh, although, like, people like to remind us that Harrison Ford was actually born at the hospital where we delivered Harrison. Ah. <laughs> and, and, and so people thought it was uh, that. And so it's kind of the same thing. It, it just kind of popped in. There's no significance to it. Yeah. Uh, Harrison literally means Harrison's uh, or Harry's son. Mm-hmm. So the, there, there's no connection there. Uh, and then the middle name Cash, it came from. Right. Um, we we knew that we wanted a monosyllabic middle name just because mm-hmm. of the last, like Harrison Freimeyer. We wanted the middle name to be one syllable. And then sure. one night... Uh, we were listening to music, uh, drinking whiskey, I think, because this was the point in the pregnancy where, like, you know, where the midwife said, yeah, you know, have a drink, you know. Right. And so, like, you know, we're just having, uh, we're having a drink and we're listening to old country music. Uh, and I think it was Burning Ring of Fire came on and Harrison just started dancing in mom's belly. And we looked at each other and almost simultaneously we said cash nice. to each other. Uh, we weren't absolutely sure about it. We had a backup name ready just in case. Sure. But then the first time he was breastfeeding, I looked down and one of his hands resting on her chest looked like it was giving me the finger. <laughs> and we're like, yep, that's it. Yeah, he, is, yeah. he, he is Harrison Cash. Uh, so if he ever wants to be a country singer, he's just got to drop the, the, the last name and he's yeah, good right. to go. He's oh, good no, to go. I, I love it. I think it's an awesome name. I really do. Um, yeah, it's so strange. Harper was a name that I really, really liked, mm-hmm. but it is very popular right now. Yeah. And so I knew right away that that would not be her first name. Um, so we were kind of going gunning for maybe like a middle name, but it just didn't, you know, it just didn't work out. And um, and that's fine. You know what I mean? Like I, it, it's I, I, in a way. I think kind of similar to what you said about Harrison, I'm almost glad that it's not a name with a lot of meaning behind it because it's hers. Uh-huh. You know, it's not a case of like, well, you were named after Bob Dylan and Harper Lee. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's yeah. cool. Like, yeah. I still think that's kind of a badass name. But, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's just going to be kind of nice. But you're just you're Hattie. You know, you are Hattie. Yeah, that's um, yours. That's your name. Yeah. yeah. Even still, even with like Harrison Cash, like. I texted my teenage uh, nephew, and he's very much – he is a sweet uh, young man, but he's also reached that point in his teenage years where he's just sarcastic and sardonic about everything. <laughs> and, and so I texted him the name, and he just texted back, and he's like, so you named your kid after Harrison Ford and Johnny Cash. And I could just hear that in his deadpan well, voice. And I'm, like, and I'm like, no, like I could see where you get that. No, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it, it's it is strange, you know. And I think for me, you know, I'm kind of lucky because my my name being Sam Samuel, you know, it, 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 there was no, yeah, there was no one that I was really named after. It was just like I like this name, you know. Yeah. That the, you know, my parents happened to like it, and um, it's funny thinking about like the iterations that my name went through because I know at one point I think William 
was a name that they had in mind. Uh, but they hated the idea of me being called Bill or Billy or anything like that. Sure. I think they were okay. They were okay with you know with Liam, which is which is also a, a nickname for William. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know nothing else. No no Will or Willie or, or whatever. Sure. Um, and I think it was my grandfather that ended up giving them the suggestion of Samuel. Um, yeah, I don't know. Names are names are interesting as all hell. Because they are. Yeah, I I ended up being named after. A friend of my dad's, who was the first person from our county to die in Vietnam. Oh wow, wow. Okay. Um, to the point, yeah. When I went to D.C. a few years ago, I actually went to the wall and found his name. Did you tell me this before? On the wall, yeah. And then one point, like, because they had these things where you can like put a piece of paper over the name and like do yeah. a stencil where you can draw it. Uh, Dennis Ray O'Neill, yeah. But they had also like thrown out like David Michael, which I don't think had any kind of uh, it, it didn't have any sort of significance. Uh, my dad he also threw out he wanted to name me Ulysses Abraham. Oh my God! Wow! Wow! That that way he could call me Useless Abe for short. Oh jeez! <laughs> Luckily that did not stick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but names are so yeah so interesting. Um, you know, we talking about your. your uh, your lack of of sleep earlier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, have you done just anything like completely delirious, sleep deprived? Um, the, I guess the one thing is I was looking for my keys earlier today, uh, and they were literally hanging on the rack right in front of my face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was convinced. Uh, I think in my mind, I saw them kind of out of the corner of my eye and I was convinced that they were Jess's keys, Mm -hmm. uh, which look different (laughs) to say the least than my keys. But that's what I was sure of. Uh, the other thing that I find myself doing a lot is, um, uh, even like right now, for instance, being sort of at a loss for words sometimes, uh, or, or, you know, in, in the middle of the night, Right now, she's kind of in a, in a bit of a, a cycle, if you, if you can call it that. I mean, she's six days old, where she she sleeps a lot uh, from about three o'clock in the afternoon until about eight o'clock at night. So she'll sleep for like two and a half hours feed, then go straight to sleep for another two and a half hours. Uh, and then she's usually up from about like eight thirty till four ish, like every 90 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and during that time, you know, we, we usually, we've been falling asleep around nine thirty ten 10 o'clock. Uh, and when we have to get up, it definitely like, there's a boat, I'm up, I'm up. And then five minutes later, I'm actually getting out of bed. Sure, <laughs> to, yeah. To do whatever I, it is I needed to do. Yeah, I mean, we, we had those nights where, like, literally, like, we got no sleep, none yeah. at all. And and like, I remember, like, there were some mornings of just like the the alarm clock went off in the morning, and I was like, to get through this day, like, I have to pretend like I slept last night, and I have to get up and I have to pretend everything is normal. So I'm going to get up, I'm going to make coffee, yeah. and I'm going to go to work. Like it, yeah, yeah. And, and you really. You really learn how to compartmentalize <laughs> at, I, at the time. You know, I got to be honest with you. I was a little scared. Uh, well, a little. I, but but one of the things that I was a little scared about was that lack of sleep. Like to the point where it's like, can I do that? Can I like? Am I am I physically capable of doing that? Um, and I yeah, it's been kind of amazing. Uh, I think 
you know, it's definitely hit Jess harder for two reasons. One, I feel like she's getting a little bit less sleep than I am. And two, the act, you know, I, I, I'm sure you know this. I don't know how many people listening know this. I would assume a fair amount. But the, the literally the act of breastfeeding is a workout. Like it, the the amount of calories that are burned during that act oh, sure. are comparable to like you know running five miles. It's sure. insane. I yeah. have no idea mm-hmm. um, that you could like burn so many calories you know just by breastfeeding. So that in itself is exhausting. Um, and, and so yeah, you put those things together, and I mean, I think that she has had a couple of moments where she's been like, I am exhausted. Um, but even right now, it's like I'm tired for sure. But I'm, I'm not rushing for bed. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, you're recording this right now. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You. Uh, God. Yeah. You just get used to it. the thing. Is like looking back now, like a lot of it is so much a blur. You know, like yeah. I had to like talk about like you know delirious things you do. Like I had one morning. I may have told you this story before. I, I like I, I sat down and made breakfast, and everybody else was still in bed, and I was reading the news on my phone, and I decided I wanted to put my calories into the calorie counting cap that I. Uh, calorie counting app that I use, and yeah. so and so I put my phone down and I went looking for my phone. Yeah, I backtracked to the kitchen, the bathroom. I snuck back into the bedroom because Harrison was co sleeping with us. I couldn't find it. I was like, "Ah, screw it! I'll put my calories in later. I'm just going to finish reading the news." And then I picked my phone back up and I went back to reading the news. And then about ten seconds later, I was like, "Oh." <laughs> My phone's right here. Oh, man. It's funny because you've told me that story a couple of times before, I think. Okay. And, and, and you know, it, it was always like, a, oh, my gosh, that's crazy sort of story. Now it's like, a, yeah, I get that. Like, I could totally see myself doing I haven't, I haven't quite gotten there yet, but, like, I could see myself doing that. Sure. Uh, oh, and- God, I guess that's not true. I had a similar experience just the other day. I was like doing something on my phone and I was like, where's my phone? And I'm like, you idiot. It's right in your hand. So I didn't necessarily go through everything that you went through, but I did have that similar moment of just sort of like, oh, I need to call my dad or something like that. And I was like, and I was like, I need to go get my phone. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Right. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, I've had those moments since then. Uh, sure. Say, yeah, we'll probably should start wrapping up here pretty soon. But I'll say yeah, another yeah, thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, you say like Hattie's going through a cycle right now, but what's a cycle? She's only six days old. Yeah. It's like you will have that. Like you will you will go through things where you think you have it figured out. Like, oh, like she's having difficulty like getting to sleep or having difficulty getting her down. This is a trick that will work. It will work for two or three days and then and then it'll switch up. And this is something that I uh I posted on Facebook probably when like Harrison was like 6 months old like um uh on on Star Trek the Next Generation. Like uh every episode where they encounter the Borg. Yeah. There's there's always this moment of reckoning where they're firing phasers and they figured out how to shift the phaser range so that the the Borg don't adapt as quickly and then finally the little pops up and someone ominously says they've adapted yeah and yeah. all bets are off and that's what it's like trying to figure out what makes your baby fall asleep right or calm them down when they're fussy <laughs> it's like you think you got it you think you got it ah crap yeah 
Yeah. 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 We're, I mean, you know, we're, we're definitely in that phase right now where, uh, I mean, again, it's, we're literally six days at, it's almost unbelievable. Um, we're, we're the only thing that she requires to make her happy is to be fed. So, so that so will, like, you know, anything, anything else is just, is fine. Like she'll, she'll play along with some of that stuff. Cause she's fairly alert. Cause this is the other thing, you know, it's interesting because she was born 10 days late. There's this wonderful app that we started using called the wonder weeks. We, yep. Yep. Same one. And it's fascinating because they, it, it asks you for the due date, not the date they were born, but yep. the due date, because that's what they use to calculate development. Because again, as I'm sure most people know, the baby is developing in the womb past that due date. So there are things that she does at six days old that a baby that arrived on time at six days old would not be doing. Um, you know, she's already started doing, the, you know, you put her down for like tummy time and she's turning her head and she's lifting herself up and she can follow things with her eyes. And she, you know, so she's doing some of these things that I feel like had she been born on time, we'd still be waiting for her to do. Um, which is fascinating. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely in that place where all that's pretty much required of us is to feed her and change her diaper. And that keeps her fairly happy. So <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're in that phase. We better start wrapping this up here. We just said we're a half hour. It's the same thing with the quantum leap podcast. Everything no, is just like, no. yeah, we're going to be a quick episode. And then here we go. Then we just get, uh, talking one, yeah. uh, suggestion I would make. It, it popped in my head as we were talking that, that I did. If you haven't done it yet, just sit down and journal out, journal uh just journal the what what labor was like what the delivery what that thing was before it it flits out of your memory forever yeah Uh, just sit down and write that out while you still have uh the details because i did that with uh with harrison and it's just it's nice to go back and read uh and read and it'll be nice to, to to share with him when he is old enough to to read that yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I had written, um, quite a few letters to her, uh, similar to your blog, honestly. Sure. Yeah. I think that might've actually been where I got the, the, you know, the, part yeah. of the impetus to do it. Um, and, uh, so I have quite a few of those to, to give to her and, uh, Jessica and I were in the process of potentially setting up an email address for her and then sending her these things via email. And so that one day we'll give her the email address and she can open this stuff, you know, and read it. Um, but I, I, I would love to do that. I know Jessica has a journal, um, for the express purpose. Like it's literally her mother gave it to her because her mother did the same thing when she was born. And so it, the express purpose for this journal is to, you know, basically write a book to Hattie. So, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I'm, 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 I'm going to follow that advice cause it'll be, it'll be well worth it. Sure. Awesome. We should wrap this up. We should come back and do this in a, in a couple of months here. Yeah, man. Why not? Too. I'd love to. Yeah, I. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to get this. Uh, yeah, get you on tape here to capture this when you're when you're in the throes of the first week and yeah. sleep deprivation and all that. It's, it's awesome. It's incredible. I. I. I yeah. I, you know, I've done. I've, I. I feel like I've gotten to do some pretty cool things in my life, but this is this is by far the best one. So yeah, we're in for right, and it's not like I mean, I'm just a year and a half ahead of you, so I'm figuring right. everything out. I figured sure. everything out too. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I seriously right. I was very flattered, flattered to be asked. So thank you. No, my pleasure. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks. 
Hello again, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It really means a lot to me. If you haven't already, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, be sure to check us out at dadtothefuture.com or dadtothefuture, all the words spelled out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And on any of those platforms, please do leave a comment, let me know what you thought, and also interact with the other dads, parents, time travel nerds, and any other listeners as well. Until next week, I'll see you in the future.